I'm Dylan Gambardella. My name is Justin Lafazan, and together we are the co-founders of NextGen, a business hub for entrepreneurs. Welcome to Founders First, a podcast by 1517 Fund. This is a deep dive conversation into how exactly founders of venture-backed startups get started. We look at what led them to their ideas, how they did customer discovery, built their first products, and landed their first customers. And you are along for the ride. Welcome to Founders First. High level, Zach, NextGen is here to serve entrepreneurs. We wake up fired up every single day strictly to provide value. That's all we want to do. Learn more about who is out there, what are they building, and how can we help them. And so our business hub has events. We host our NextGen Summit annually. We have this robust online community where members are posting for feedback, for help, for connections every single day. We send our Roundup newsletter each Monday evening that contains the community, the education, the materials that you need to level up. And really, our job is to figure out where we can go next in adding value. And if it's helping entrepreneurs around the world, we're going to double down there. So what did NextGen start as, though? That's, that's like quite a few things that it takes several years to get to. What did you originally start out building? For the longest time, we thought the future of NextGen was as a community of entrepreneurs. Uh, so we were going around the world, traveling to different conferences, going to different dinners, trying to meet the world's greatest young people who were leaders, politicians, scientists, authors, podcasters, entrepreneurs who wanted to make change, wanted to have their impact. And years later, what we continued to do by building that community was build the exact network we wanted to support. And then we've spent the last year and a half and we'll, where we will spend the next few years is building the different resources that those entrepreneurs need that we are in the best position to provide. Okay. So, but for you guys personally, what did NextGen start as? NextGen was what Justin and I wanted ourselves. Yeah. And when I say that, I'll take you way back, Zach. Um, we were in high school, finishing up our senior years. We started our very first small business. And I say that with air quotes, even though you can't see my air How quotes. long have you guys known each other? Just about five and a half, six years, right? Yeah, Roughly. Closer to seven, probably. Closer to seven. And we very quickly, in about the span of six months, went from newly acquainted friends to uh, business partners. And then about six months after that, became best friends and rather inseparable. And we haven't looked back since. Um, we can say that safely. That adage of don't start a company with your best friend, probably still true probably advice. True. We are the exception, not the rule. Yes. And in credit to our mutual friends who uh, had the foresight to introduce us, knowing that we were very similar and would probably hit it off together, which was correct. And they probably would not have been able to tell you at the time we'd start a business together. No way. But it was pretty natural for us. And we were just looking for help. We had this small business going. It was in the college admissions space, pre-college admissions scandal. Okay. <laughs> we were above board and Clean. we were helping students in high schools around the country gain the information and gain the access they needed to have a, a fighting chance in the college admissions process. And it was really fun. We were doing it in high school right after we had gotten accepted and gone through the process. We were building out a network of advisors and building out a marketing strategy. And two 
uh, very obvious things kept occurring to us. The first is that it's freaking impossible to start a business. It is so hard and you have no idea where, what you're doing. And the second is we loved it. And it was so rewarding and fun. And those two ingredients have not changed at all. It is still <laughs> so hard, but we are having a blast doing it. Yeah, that. it's really astonishing that people go out there and set out after knowing what starting a business is like. They still do it. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it's kind of it's crazy. It's, it is crazy. It is crazy. I, I think it's um, it's it's like a problem. <laughs> no, it's it's amazing. It is the most rewarding. The the premise of next gen is that entrepreneurship is the most rewarding way to grow yourself, grow a business, have an impact. The only hurdle in the way is that it's daunting, risky, complicated, and you're going to make every mistake in the book on your way. But if you can keep fighting the 50-year battle against yourself uh, to grow and be better, you can get to the promised land, which is the opportunity to keep building and, and keep going from there. What was the biggest mistake that you guys made uh, with your first business? Oh, goodness. I'd say we probably had no structure to it. We Zero. were just running and gunning. And Justin and I had maybe a standing call that we would touch base on and just update each other on what had happened the previous seven days. Um, those seven days were the wild, wild west, to put it nicely. If we thought it was a good idea, we probably ran with it. And we didn't frankly have the peer network or the mentor network to learn from or learn with even better. Um, we enjoyed figuring out as we went. And as Justin said, that was truly rewarding. But we didn't know what we didn't know. And we had no resources out there, again, leading to why we launched NextGen uh, to really look to and say, okay, I, I see that person failing a bit. Let me try to avoid that. This was our first foray into anything when it comes to the business world. And we enjoyed that steep learning curve. We still enjoy that steep learning curve. But we wish, and I can say safely, that if we had NextGen back then, it might have gone a little further, students for students. Yeah, we, we had no focus back then. And it's funny because it's still something we're trying to work on every day and something that we've gotten better at in the five plus years running NextGen. In order to uh, win, you have to know where you're going. And having... Uh, a definition of what you want to focus on, how you will measure it, and how you will reevaluate it at regular intervals where you are going and what you want to achieve. We had no idea when we started our first business. And we really didn't have a big idea when we started NextGen either. This is only in the last probably 18 months that we have started getting really serious about identifying here is the, the roadmap of where we want to go. Here's how we will measure what success is and how we will keep us accountable, everyone, including ourselves and our team, every single day on the way. We have one of those roadmaps now. It's really cool. <laughs> I'm, I geek out over the roadmap. When I am ever feeling down, a tough day, rainy day, whatever it is, I just look at the roadmap and I'm instantly upbeat, running through walls, ready to we, get back we, in the We'd be like upset you know, after a bad day or upsetting an employee in the early days because they weren't doing well enough or we hadn't made enough progress. But then that's, what, a, what a horrible feeling because we hadn't done the work ourselves to identify right. what success is, how we're going to measure it, where we wanted to go. And that was a huge learning for, for Dylan and I as leaders. You can't expect anyone to just do something. You have to identify what's a win, wh how, what your values are. You have to set expectations for people. Right. Expectations most are important thing. everything. And, and we've identified really clear core values now at NextGen of how we will operate, the type of business we want to run. And without having that written, written scale so much faster than you shouting in people's ears uh, we'll never we would never be able to grow to seven which we are now and hopefully to 70 which we're going which we're going next cool i, I want to get to all of that but let's let's kind of like move chronologically right so yeah. you guys started this first business together uh helping students through the admissions process and then you decided like okay it'd be really nice if there was actually a community of resources for for people if they actually wanted to start 
their yeah, own yeah, business, we were right? Looking for help on our business. We were also looking to meet other people like us who could share the journey with us. It was pretty lonely. And a lot of our peers from our individual high schools weren't thinking about, oh, how do I create value? How do I solve problems? How do I build opportunities? So we did a lot of traveling, went to a lot of conferences. Uh, I was on a gap year before college at the time. Dolan was a freshman at Duke. And after a series of traveling to events together, we realized there really weren't a lot of resources aimed at first time, early, early stage entrepreneurs, because there's not a huge profit motive for organizations to be supporting you so, so early. I mean, you'll find a lot of conferences and resources out there for organizations uh, from organizations that are trying to help you know students get into the workforce but that's because those are like recruiting tools for those organizations tools and then there's also for established businesses right and and if you have a company that you are making millions in revenue let's say you can go find a million networking opportunities and they're out there and you can pay for them attend the conference whatever it may be and zach even the under 30 summit that forbes put on Justin and I, we were so excited fall of 2014 to attend, thinking we've finally found our home. People like us who, who get the vibe of being 18, building a business. And we get there, we're maybe two of 12 people who are under 21 years old. And the rest of the, the entire event are established business owners. And again, great to learn from them. Great to see where we're going and to start pulling what we can ascertain from everybody. Um, but we were looking for that peer network and it wasn't out there. And that ultimately was one of the kicking points uh, in saying, let's go build this thing. We'll call it Next Gen, Next Gen Summit. And we'll garner at least a couple hundred people to join us because they too will want to follow our vision. We were a little bit off and it was a lot harder than we anticipated that one day in the fall of 2015. Events are very, very hard. They're, they're, Super they're hard. impossible. <laughs> but, but we had a lot of inspiration right around the, the time of this first event we went to together. Uh, I had attended the first ever Teal Summit and that's where I met Danielle. And Which I was, was in New away. York City. This was in Las Vegas. Oh. Well, so maybe second. Teal okay. Summit. It might have been the second one. Da- because downtown. We were just discussing earlier Zappos. today. We were just discussing earlier today in our, our chat thread that uh, this weekend, seven years ago, we had a, a Teal Summit in oh New York City. Wow. So, like, literally today. Oh, Happy my anniversary. goodness. You know what it has to be then? Uh, right around this time is when I had a friend named Nikhil attend that first event and told yep. me about it. I, 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 we, were yeah, we, did them, we did them twice a year. Or the foundation did them twice a year. So there was uh, there'd be one in, like, Vegas and then one in SF mm. or like one in New York and one in SF. Yeah. And, wow. and I had a friend who attended and he said, Justin, it was one of the first times I actually felt surrounded by e- other young people who were thinking in the same direction that I was thinking. Uh, and I attended, I, I flew out there and some of Joel and I's closest friends now, closest community members came from one of the first Teal Summits we attended and, and meeting so many folks from that original network because it, something's really powerful when you get similar minded people in the same room to share ideas and collaborate, even if that's not your core business, it's really exciting and it's really energizing and, and keeps you going. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I attended Teal Summits too. That's how I got pulled into this world. Um, and I'm not sure if it was twice a year or if it was, it'd be in rotating cities every other year, but absolutely fantastic opportunity. And I think that when, you know, when I was acquainted with you guys uh, before joining the 1517 team, I kind of viewed what you're doing as very similar umbrella as what the Teal Summits used yeah. to do 
and what they were intended to do for a long time, especially for people on the West Coast, whereas you guys are a little bit more focused here on the East Coast, geographically yeah, speaking. And, and we wanted to just take that resource that the people like us who are lucky enough to experience had access to and distribute that to every young entrepreneur, every young person out there who's thinking, I maybe want to use that entrepreneurial energy to create something, to build something new, to, to take that first step. We want to be there to support them. So we declared very proudly, told all of our friends, Next Gen Summit 1 is going to be, I think the first date was like June 15th, 2015. And then we changed, we changed the date like two weeks before the conference. That's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. We changed the date. We changed. We had no venue. Zach, how can you change a date? Oh, we had no attendees coming. So <laughs> it's no easy one, to do. No one was pissed off. It was off. the world's easiest decision to change the date because no one knew. No one's registered. The speakers no yeah. <laughs> had to cancel. And we were paying for their flights anyways, so they were okay with it. But when the actual event came in July 31st, 2015 to August 2nd, 2015, the worst event of all time, logistically, uh, our banner. It was in Austin, Texas, In Austin, right? Texas. Yeah. Dylan, you got to tell them why it was in Austin, Texas. Because <laughs> okay. you definitely deserve the credit for this one. Justin's yeah, Austin, favorite Texas story. in July, Tough. in August. Yeah. I was like, not, not the time this I would visit Dylan's, Austin. This is Dylan's trophy. I need everybody listening to visualize a map of the U.S., right? And there are two major hubs for entrepreneurship. San Francisco, duh, Silicon Valley, and New York. Different level, but it's still a hub. What's right in the middle of the two and still an entrepreneurial city? <laughs> Austin, Texas. And so that was my thought process when we picked Austin, Texas as the hub for the first event. I, 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 I get that rationale <laughs> when you're thinking about like a geographic region, maybe the size of like Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> but the United States is really <laughs> big. Exactly. I did not really understand big. how airports work. Yeah. And it's harder maybe to fly from New York to Austin than New York to SF. It was not oh, right. It's definitely person. a lot harder. Yes. We now have a great group of community members from from Austin, though, it and forced Dallas. us to meet Dallas, yeah. Austin, Houston entrepreneurs because no one else was coming outside <laughs> of the speakers that uh, that we were bringing there. It's, it's a good 100%. region. I mean, we, we get down that way occasionally. It could have been worse. It's, it's good people. It could have been worse. So so tell me, you know, I, for years, I, one of the things that I was impressed by was just that, and I, I've been, I think I've been to every Next Gen Summit except for the first one. Wow, I think. I'm, wow, you were part I, of. An I may not have made one of them in between. Medal. I may not have made one of them. We need to get this guy a trophy. Yes, ASAP. I love. He's that. already been cited by the Nassau County Legislator for coming. I'm not saying this for like, you know, look at me, how great yeah. I am. But like, events were really, really hard, right? And what I always like to say to event organizers is like, look, I know there are fires going on, but if as the attendee I can't see the fires, right. you're doing a good job, right? right? Because on the organizer side, you're like, holy crap, <laughs> this isn't working, inside. everything's falling <laughs> apart. But it really matters on the on the attendee side. So, I, I mean, why did you guys decide to do a conference? Was it just because you, you'd you seen this gap and you were like, you know, it'd be nice to do something that actually appeals to this demographic? And how did you decide, like, oh, we're, we're going to get people to come to it. We're going to talk to people. We're going to get speakers. Like, I, I, we don't have to get too into the weeds, yeah. but I, I'd love to talk about like some of the moving parts of doing your first event. Yeah, Dylan and I were building a network of young people. We were going to conferences. We were uh, just networking because we were interested, and we were trying to figure out how do we best activate that early group of people who are in on, on this mission. So the first concept was, let's bring them all together. Let's just get them in the same room, not a traditional boring conference where you're going, you're like sitting in a room and listening to speakers, but almost like a, a networking accelerator where you're building real friendships and real relationships that you can carry forward for the next 100 years. So we said, 
we could figure out any other details if we just get the right people into the into the same room. And that was the original concept. We probably spent zero time on everything else, um, which was why the event really didn't go that well from an event perspective. But the people there were, were so powerful. And then it was just Dylan and I trying to figure out, all right, how can we afford this thing? Who can we get there uh, that would make it worthwhile? But that was the original recipe. Find the best young people, get them in the same room, we'll figure the rest out. And our marketing tactics... It, it was pure hustle. We would get our hands on listservs. I remember, quite frankly, apologies to Duke University, very much so stealing some listservs that I was a part of a club or two and, and just sending, hey, this is what we're doing. It's amazing. You got to come. 6,000 Uber person. attendees. 6,000 uh, 6, Uber. Uber customers in Austin were accidentally CC'd, not BCC'd on Ooh. like a $20 discount. They are now part of the Next Gen family they as well. They got the invite to the first event. <laughs> Everything you could imagine, we were sending these emails and, and definitely uh, pissing a lot of people off, yeah. but we found a few people and maybe they didn't buy tickets, but the value prop was enough to get them to show up. And so I think we actually sold three or four tickets, <laughs> including no tickets. my mom, your mom, my dad, your dad, and that was <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, uh, they supported us with like a little grant to the, to the children here. But otherwise we had about 250 people show up just because they saw enough value in this idea that we had been putting out there, right? As Justin laid out before. Imagine what could happen if you had 200, 300 people under the same roof, all who were at some level of interest in pursuing their dream, right? They were doing, they were about to be doing, they were considering dropping out of school, they were going full-time on their business, whatever it may be. They, they saw the idea of doing it together with a larger community. And you, you, had the, you had the foundation there, so Michael and Danielle. Yeah, and that's when we first, we were reaching out to everyone in the world that we knew, and we said, it's going down in Austin. You got to be there. And Danielle and Mike took a shot. They were like, we will come. And uh, I remember we were hanging out with them in the executive lounge the executive of the Hilton lounge. the day before. <laughs> and we were so thankful that they could they could be there and see it. But I sometimes wish that other people didn't have to see what they saw. They could just hear about it afterwards. <laughs> they didn't need to actually be there. But uh, they, they were there, and they were the anchor of our first ever pitch competition at Next Gen Summit number one. And I believe they actually ended up making either one of the grants or an investment. 100%. Right? In something there. I, have, I haven't even spoken to Danielle or Mike about this, but I ate breakfast with, I think, Mike on the second day of the event. What, what year was this? 2015. They gave Rustin a grant. So they this would have been. Grant, that's what it was. Yeah, this would have been just as 1517 is getting off the ground. They were right. raising their first fund. Yeah. At the time. Still at yeah. the conference. Yeah, because we. I think they did their first investment right around that time. They definitely yeah. gave out a grant or two. I think Rustin won one. Um, so the event event perspective, we lose all of the money we have in the world. The banners are falling off. It's really bad. We had no revenue. But we put up this Facebook group. You had, you had four tickets yeah. for we had revenue. Four, four tickets, tickets for revenue. the city of Austin. The city of Austin bought a booth yes. for maybe $200. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, and so we put up this Facebook group for attendees to uh, find roommates at the conference. And I remember the Sunday night after the conference, Dylan and I and our families go out to dinner. We're trying to wrap our heads around what just happened. And I'm talking to Dylan, I'm like, Dylan, how did you think that went? We're like, I think it went well, it was a really good time. But we started seeing the posts trickle through to this Facebook group. And we read things like, Justin, Dylan, Next Gen, this has changed my life. I met my co-founder, we're dropping out of college to start this business. Or I met my first investor. Or I met my girlfriend. Like these crazy, amazing stories of young people feeling really energized by just being 
with each other. So, so do you, are there like next gen children now? Yeah, there are no there next are no gen children. children. There are a few standing relationships still. There were a bunch, Zach. There, <laughs> there was a steep fall off. Though. Similar to the entrepreneurial <laughs> life cycle, the next gen relationships come and go, and people, you're up and you're people down. People said we could be a matchmaking service <laughs> before. We stay far away from that <laughs> one. Yes, yes. If it happens, for it a happens. lot of reasons. But it, but the Facebook group exploded. And all of a sudden, people started adding their friends, their co-founders to this little group that was probably titled Roommate Finder <laughs> Next Gen Summit Austin, Texas. So we quickly changed the name to Next Gen Facebook Group or something like that. Next Gen Summit Group, I think that something was the first like name. And it was wild. Out of nowhere, people started hearing about this thing because we were one of the first resources for really, really early stage entrepreneurs. So Dylan and I were moderating this group and we did the math this past summer. We moderated 20,000 Facebook posts over that group's inception. Anyone would post and we would just comment anyone that we knew that was that could help or they should talk to. And we were just making connections and providing support left and right. Zach, it was hilarious. So after this started growing in, in probably mid-August, I was getting ready to go back to school for my second year, Justin to his first year at the Wharton School at Penn. And we committed together before we left and we said, okay, we're just going to answer every post in this in this group. Uh, we don't really know if we're going to be helpful to the highest extent, the most extent for each person, but we're going to try. And cheer and, for them. And cheer for them. And just tell them, we see you, we're here for you and keep going. And by the way, maybe connect with these two people, this resource, blah, blah, blah. We were so addicted to our cell phones, not for texting, not for anything, but just for Facebook notifications when someone would post. We were on it in a minute and a half. I kid you not. If you posted, Zach, hey, uh, anybody know a coffee shop in New York? Dylan and Justin, we were on right that away. right away, tagging people who had no coffee shops in New York. If you posted, guys, I need another million dollars in the next two weeks or else my business is going out. We were also on that in a minute and a half. And we were just walking around. Our friends still joke about it to this date. Um, we'd be having lunch, having dinner, and then a Facebook post would come through. Pause everything. Drop the kitchen. We're going right there and helping this. And this that's when we had to out. put a wall up on the Facebook group and realize we we need to slow this down and be more restrictive on the type of support we're you know we're providing on how we're helping so we can keep our sanity as well. <laughs> and it was I think we were going away for winter break. Like Dylan was yes. gonna be off and I was gonna be off for like one or two days overlap. So we needed to pause the group for a day or two. And that's when we decided, hey, why don't we close the group, make it private, invite only, and just like our conference was in the first place. And that was a real turning point where we now have thousands of people on a wait list for the Facebook group. We have tens of thousands on our newsletters, thousands coming to the events, uh, really just shifting the whole paradigm of NextGen wants to support, but we want to support the right people. And that means you're hungry, you're driven, you're ambitious, and you're not in it just to extract value from everybody else. You're in it because you want to be a part of something larger. So when did you guys decide, okay, we did this conference in 2015, everything fell apart. <laughs> we got lots of people there, but we only sold four tickets and one booth to the city of Austin. <laughs> uh, let's do another one. Very quickly <laughs> after that, which is probably in hindsight, I don't know what led us to that, but we were definitely vibing with this energy in the, the group. And so we, we put the flag in the ground and said, we're hosting another one, 2016, and we're coming to New York. My map idea, well executed, perhaps. Uh, New York was our home, and it is our home. And so we knew we had to get there. And then we started looking at actual venue prices and realized, oh my goodness, what did we just promise everybody? Uh, we snuck into New York through one of the bottom tier venues, but we began planning <laughs> this venue right away. This was gross. <laughs> this, <laughs> was this the, wait, 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 was this 
is this the one? 2016. Yeah. Are, 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 are we allowed to say the name? Whatever. Whatever. It was it was a hotel, right? Yeah, yeah, it was the top hotel. floor of a hotel. Yes. Okay. There were rats in some of the hotel. Yeah, this venue was kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> this was not a good venue. The AC would only work when you called the lobby, and so constantly we were calling the lobbies. Pop the AC. It's so hot in here. There are hundreds of people. They're all sweaty. We needed have it, to put on deodorant. I, I imagine there's like it. actually a guy like answering with, that with phone. Coal. <laughs> yeah. it's like in literally basement. pumping the AC pumping in the basement. This is an it. old venue, but we needed to. There's no other way we could afford it. Um, it was a good central location. And it was a huge yeah, step up in terms sure. of a conference. We had two sponsors who each paid us uh, more than two. More. We and had a few exhibitors. You're right. And a few. We had two major sponsors, a few exhibitors. We sold a bunch of tickets, and we had some really legit speakers. Yeah. And a pitch competition with really legit investors as well so headlined by 1517 always so we took a huge step up and at that event the day after two both sponsors hilarious how this worked out um, made early acquisition offers right away to something that we didn't even know what it was they said i like what you're doing this community what do you think about you know us partner together you you coming under under us and it was really uh very exciting exhilarating and when we started thinking, all right, there is something here. We're not a conference. We're not a community. We don't just we don't know what we are. But there's something here by building this group of great young people and providing them with the support they need. Yeah, I think that was when we began to realize the value in connecting and in getting people like-minded folks just under the same roof, but continuing that at scale. So new ways that we could provide the same value. I think that was also the time we started our newsletter um, after 2016's event. We decided, okay, we're going to just send emails once a week. We'll feature a few cool opportunities that come across our radar. We'll put them in a note. It'll be three seconds to read. And if you don't read it, cool. We've been sending that every single week for now going on four years. Um, naturally, organically has grown from, again, our parents reading it. And those Uber customers. And those Uber customers <laughs> to now tens of thousands of people opening that every single Monday night. Um, and that's just because the value's there. Right, and, and we planted the seed in 2016. Took a long time to nurture it. We're still very far from a finished product, always growing. But we were looking to just find new avenues to reach the people we were looking for or who wanted to reach us and then add value tremendously. So you guys are, are a good example in my mind of the ability to do, maybe maybe not in like a formal sense, but the ability to do customer discovery. Because, I mean, I've seen you at the events and they're now like, quite large and like very complex. So you're running around like your hair is on fire, but going from everything from talking to people in Austin to tagging people in the Facebook group uh, to talking to people at your events, even with everything going on, I still see you guys talking to attendees. What, how did you take feedback from people? How did you process people saying like, this is what I, I, I need right now, or these are the resources I'm looking for. Uh, what did that look like? The cool part is because Dylan, it's uh, the setup is is pretty bonkers. Dylan and I are trying to build our own early stage company while supporting other early stage companies. So every founder we're talking to, we're in the exact same boat that they are in. So every day for years now, even before we started this, we're having we're just wanting to talk to founders to understand what their experience is like for us selfishly to to get some help and so we can see how we can help. So uh, we have founders coming in even today and we're just having them come in and we'll learn about their story. We'll tell them our story and we'll say, how can we help? What what are you working on? And we're always asking, what are your biggest pain points? What is your biggest hurdle that you need to overcome over the next, let's say six months? And a lot of those are re repeated. 
And the that customer discovery experience is how we've built our consumer-facing media services, the conferences, the newsletters, all the content we create, and also our brand partnerships business, which is our, our largest source of revenue. By talking to brands, by talking to everyone who would come to the conference, Dylan or I, I don't care how crazy we'll have to be, we want to talk to you and understand how'd you hear about us, what do you find exciting about being here, and how can we help you? The second that we stop prioritizing that type of feedback, that's when we'll fail. Um, if we think we're good enough on our own to internally ascertain where we need to double down and focus, that's an echo chamber and that's not going to work. And so we, we prioritize those touch points with the community, with our partners, former, current, and hopefully future. Um, everybody on our team spends at least an hour each week going through that very Facebook group and moderating posts. And again, not that all seven of us can add value to each individual question because there are dozens and dozens of questions and posts and requests in the community each day, but it's very important to try and to make that effort and to understand what the community is asking about. Because now going on five plus years, we have seen trends. We know there's a lot of folks who at the beginning six months need this help, right? We can better serve them. The more we know about where they are in the journey, the more we can add value to their work and also help our partners find the right folks in the process. Yeah, some people are obsessed with customers. We're obsessed with entrepreneurs. We want to know who what they customers? need. We, right. Who are our customers? So so I, I have to ask, you know, you, you kind of alluded to this earlier. You guys decided to kind of grow the business in the last year or so, uh, solidify a lot of the things you had previously had going on in the business. What was that decision like where you decided like, okay, not only do we have, you know, a cool annual event here that is growing fairly well by, largely by word of mouth, right? Yeah, organically. Uh, I mean, I would be on the other side of the country talking to people and be like, oh, well, I'm going to this event. It's the Next Gen Summit. Do you know it? And I'm like, I've, yeah, I've been to several <laughs> of them. <laughs> I'm well acquainted with the team. What was your decision like where you're like, okay, there's something here. It's more than just events. Let's let's grow this. Yeah. I think for Justin and myself personally, we always were thinking that, right? It just became a question of what is the vehicle by which this grows? We thought at one point, maybe let's raise a venture fund and we can invest in the community members. We tried that. We kind of failed, kind of semi-succeeded, but decided that it was not the right time. So we put that on the back burner. And then we doubled down on the community infrastructure. And you have to remember, Zach, that we were still in school ourselves. We decided not to drop out. We wanted to graduate. And so before really January 2018, we didn't have the, the pure time that this company deserved. But right around that 2018 and leading into the summer after our 2018 event, we realized that we need to focus on building this infrastructure of our business hub to scale and, and to reach thousands and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of more entrepreneurs. And for us, we, we as you said, realized we could let this grow organically and we can get bigger a little bit each year and year and year, or we could press the pedal and, and accelerate the process, not to go out and, and win any awards or get on the cover of magazines, but to do it the way that this community and our members deserve. And that was, as Justin and I alluded to earlier, kind of the turning point for us. We raised a little bit of capital, very lucky to have the support of 1517 fund. And that allowed us to press the pedal a bit and to go out and build a team and to start exploring new verticals, only focused on where we're adding the most value to our entrepreneurs. You hear so many things from so many people, right? So many people saying like, there's so many different things that we need help with. How did you narrow down all the things that were on your plate and decide these are the, the resources we're going to provide. Don't I were out to dinner the other night with um, 
with a founder of a company in next gen, unbelievable business, um, bootstrap, $10 million a year revenue. They have a, a great product. And Dylan and I were joking around and he said, it's all you do all day. Think of other business ideas that <laughs> you guys should start. And we're like, yes, that's actually all we do all day. Now, Dylan and I are just obsessed with thinking of new ways that we can help entrepreneurs. Um, so that's on one side. So we have all the ideas, but then it's, all right, how do we be focused and disciplined on choosing one after the other? So we're trying to build um, in a really patient foundational way. We know uh, on our roadmap, there are a list of products and services that we want to roll out for entrepreneurs, but we're trying to prioritize them in a way where each one inherently makes the next one easier and more impactful. So we did it naturally without knowing this strategy at the beginning when we started with events and our digital community because that laid a really great foundation for the next product we roll out. So whatever comes next, we want to make sure that that is a, a pillar on the bottom that stands, supports a, a really great amount of entrepreneurs that future products can be built on top. So having the discipline to understand where we want to go in five years, and then backtracking that to what we have to do in the next three months to get there. That type of discipline is only within the last year of building out a roadmap, building out a strategic plan, figuring out where we want to go. And, and we can, that is not possible if we are, we're trying to build this business to sell it in the next year or two. We're trying to build this business for the next 100 years. We're trying to take this to IPO. We're trying to take this all the way. And that allows us, the patients, to build, the, build it the right way, really go through customer discovery on different products, and, and take it one step at a time. It's so freeing, Zach, knowing that we are building from our five-year plan, not the five-year plan that the market dictates, not the five-year plan that someone told us in an, in an interview that we need to in order to sell for a billion dollars, right? This is the way that we know we have to do it. And sure, what Justin said is a lot of constraint, right? Focus is the most important thing. And that means saying no more often than not. But it's also freeing because we know what we got to do. Right? We feel confident in our ability to execute. And now it's about just getting out there and, and making it happen. So what's the criteria that you used in setting your roadmap out to say like, okay, A is going to come before B and then B is going to come before C? One of our uh, key um, thesis right now, well, our, probably our key thesis on, on staying in business is this. The key to business, okay, right here is going to blow everyone's mind. The cool. key to business is to stay in business. Keep the lights on. This, this is our uh, our driving thesis right here. So um, we're prioritizing building foundational revenue-generating products that support entrepreneurs. So revenue that you're able to then reinvest back into the company Bingo. in Correct. a way that will allow you to do more revenue-intensive, capital-intensive projects that should have more revenue. Exactly. Correct. So given we we know that every day we're around, we're building equity with the relationships, with our establishment in the ecosystem, with our brand, um, and are becoming more and more um, influential in supporting entrepreneurs. So if we can generate really, really high gross margin products that are what the entrepreneurs most value, we can rinse and repeat that model to then work on the larger, way trickier, but also you know more high leverage products, let's say a year from now. So right now, a lot of our attention is focused on our brand partnerships business. Young entrepreneurs want to partner, work with, get an investment from a really big company. Uh, one of our unbelievable partners is Capital One 
Um, they are a fantastic institution that a lot of young entrepreneurs can and should be working with. Not only as a, a service provider, you can get a credit card with Capital One, much more than that. They have uh, corporate teams that want to engage with the community, small business finance arms, um, unbelievable mentorship their executives can provide. We can serve as the bridge between young entrepreneurs who want to meet a Capital One executive for whatever reason they want, and Capital One, who wants to get market insight. They want to build those long-term relationships with the future leaders. So that's a business-to-business -business product that we've rolled out um, through our event model, through our community model as a, a product for Fortune 500 brands and corporate accelerators to engage with the young entrepreneurs. And these types of activations allow us to prioritize the entrepreneur, as we always do, by saying, come to the event, come to this membership, join us online, and don't pay a dime. Um, which is really special because a lot of the entrepreneurs out there are sleeping on mom and dad's couch, right, right. living in the basement, eating ramen noodles three times a day. And we get that. Why? Because we're doing it ourselves. Right? Right, we understand. Yeah. And so we can't, we, we probably could, I'm not sure how successful it would be, but we don't want to go out and say, Zach, you want to be in the next gen ecosystem? Great. Pay me $10,000 this year. And then you can get access to Capital One. Right. That was one of the things I was going to mention is that, you know, a lot of things that are in this space, <laughs> they cost money right. for people who don't have money. Yeah. Right? It's tough. We, it's, we, it's hard we, to make money We debated that for a really long time. And our biggest concern is we'd hit a really low local maximum. Uh, we'll get a couple of community members to pay us these huge exorbitant fees to be part of this small exclusive club that that no one would really get a lot of value out of. So that's really tough because we have to figure out a way to finance getting to the point where we are now and over this over these next couple of hurdles, um, which is why we're really focused on these revenue generating Fortune 500 facing products that are still at the end of the day all about serving the entrepreneurs. So at the end of the day, you guys are in uh, a very similar you know, field as we are. And at really, I mean, outside of the logistics side, which I will happily let people like you run because I don't. <laughs> if you want it back, we'll give you the logistics. No, no, no. I mean, I, I, I mean we've we've got people on our team that do logistics well. Like Nick's very good at logistics, but I I, I I don't particularly enjoy doing logistics work. Um, so it's one of the reasons I was always really impressed by the Next Gen Summit. It's Thank like, you. wow, we appreciate that. Things are actually working, <laughs> moving the right way. <laughs> But ultimately, what you guys are doing is talent identification, right? You're you're doing a pattern recognition job, which is saying like, oh, this person should meet this person, even if that person doesn't say, I want to meet this person. Right. And I'm going to ask you, you know, how do you do that? Because we get asked that and it's like, well, it's more art than it is science, right? Yeah. You see enough data points and you're able to pull these things together and make these connections. But is there... Anything along the way that you've noticed is a good rule of thumb or a good way of making a decision on uh, identifying this is someone we want to keep engaged in the community or we want to pull into the community. Oh, these two people should certainly talk to each other. Anything like that? Any words of advice you might question. have? I think for me, thinking about the founders that we met at the very beginning and the ones that are still around today that we love supporting are those who are willing to be vulnerable and honest that they don't have it all figured out right away. Uh, so many young entrepreneurs fall into this you know, imposter syndrome of they finally make it in the business world, so they have to puff themselves up and pretend that everything is amazing and that their business is massive to, to be taken seriously, and it's quite the opposite. The second you start to do that, everyone who's actually legitimate in the business world be like, who is, who is this guy, who's this girl that's totally faking it? Right. Why, why are they spending so much time on like 
Facebook, hundred percent, right. or, or getting these o- outside of the next media Facebook articles. Group, yeah, it, it, the next gen <laughs> Facebook group live on Facebook. Uh, no, so no, that I, mean, that's I, for I have us. the same reaction when I see uh, people go to these conferences where some of these conferences do. You know, a photo booth where you can get your your picture put on the front of a magazine, right? Right. And I see that pop up on LinkedIn and reflexively, and some, and, and I feel bad about it because sometimes they're actually like really great people who are right. posting these because they're excited, but reflexively, I'm like, you, come on, yeah. well, what are you doing, right? Yes. Like, and and so, when I yeah. think back to when we first met Daniela and Mike, fifteen, seventeen. We were nobody, right? Why were they interested in helping us? Because they saw value in just building relationships and they wanted to prioritize building from day one and saying, Dylan, Justin, you guys in this really subpar event, I don't think you're a good business, but that, that's it not matter. none of this is like a verbatim quotation. But it's the mindset of we're going to provide value and, and we're here if you need help and email us and call us. You do that introduction, we're here. We're going to provide that for you. And so Justin and I talk about it all the time. If you're looking at an individual, who cares if it's their first business that fails? Their second or third, you best believe they're coming back, right? And this is a, a long term game we're playing. So we have to think long term. Do we want to be transactional with our customers? No. Would we rather just make them feel like a friend, right? Like NextGen is here to support them, to stand with them, alongside them, be there for the lows, but celebrate the highs, right? That's the approach we take. And we know that when that fifth company comes along and they succeed, they will look back and and maybe at least point to NextGen as, as helping them get part of their start. And again, we're not saying you have to credit us. You have to put us in that article. We don't really care. But maybe you tell an entrepreneur who is where you were five years ago. Now that person's coming to a summit, right? Now that person's engaging with us. And that's a true win for us. You have to invest in relationships. The problem is, as a business, you often can't finance your runway long enough to invest in relationships. Uh, We happen to be not a traditional technology company where we need to grow to this large critical mass to first um, be able to monetize. So if we can focus on producing enough revenue now, we've raised a bit of capital now to get us to the point where we can continue to rinse and repeat, build these relationships, invest in people for a five-year time horizon before they can start making us any revenue you, we're able to do that where other organizations just can't because of their model. So that's why we have a very unsexy uh, business in a lot of ways. This brand partnership thing doesn't get a lot of other people out of bed in the morning. I'm stoked Fired about it. Don't, or obsessed with this thing. Product partnerships is, is a, a big, big area for people. Yeah. Like there, there are a lot of people out there that are very well trained in this area and spend a lot of time and energy doing it. They're good at it. Yeah. Some people are really good at it. We're trying to get good at it. We're trying to go pro at it. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a lot like talent identification. It's one of these things where it's like, yeah, you can use some of these like business development and sales techniques, but it's it's relationships. 100%. It's relationships. And we're seeing that in, in two, three years of relationship building hopefully manifest today in actual tangible business. Um, if you go back and ask Dylan in 2017, hey, Dylan, are you going to invest in this relationship for three years? I probably would have been like, oh, no, they're going to sign today. But here we are three years later. We've never done business with some companies, but we've stayed in the game. We've kept the lights on. We showed up the next day, sent that really nice check-in email. Because one, we do care. We genuinely want to be supportive. And then we know there will come a day when they need NextGen's help to power their own ecosystem. Right? They want to get involved with what we're building. And we'll be there. We'll answer the call and we'll help them by providing 10x the value that we promise. Cool, guys. Well, appreciate your time. We got to say a quick shout out to the whole 1517 family. Danielle and Mike took a shot on us coming to 2015. 
it was like uh, when you get those spam emails, like wire all of your money to this, you know, African country. <laughs> that is what our invite emails look like. Quick, funny story. Nick Arnett was working somewhere else at the time, somewhere in Tennessee. Yeah, Waypaver. He was working at Waypaver, and we, Dylan and I obviously couldn't afford to, to hire anybody. So we had Aaron Laffes and my little brother sending sponsorship emails that were straight spam. And Nick Arnett, I don't actually know if everybody's. I don't really okay, know. Nick Arnett replies to Aaron Laffes and Aaron. I first thought that this was a total scam, but then I saw your last name. Are you related to Justin? <laughs> <laughs> so we were uh, we were uh, just making it up as we go. Danielle and Mike took a shot on us in 2015. The whole 1517 family has taken a shot on us again. We're incredibly grateful for their support. Mm-hmm. They are one of the most supportive resources that we have found in this ecosystem. So we're really grateful, Zach, for you and for your entire team. And we can't wait to see where Next Gen goes, where 1517 goes, and where we go together. So we really appreciate this opportunity. Thanks, guys. Founders First is a project of 1517 Fund. 1517 Fund is a venture capital fund backing founders at the earliest stages of their careers and companies. If you are a founder, hacker, maker, or scientist working outside of universities, you can reach out to us at 1517fund.com. That's 1517fund.com. We'd love to talk to you.